Here we are at Govardhan Hill, and we'll be reading throughout the entire Kartik, with the exception of a couple of days when we've been Shanghai and going down to a meeting somewhere. Tirupati. And um, we're continuing with the Krishna book reading. And this is on chapter 4. And this chapter is entitled, Kangsa Begins His Persecutions. So, if you have a weak constitution, please prop yourself up before you hear this chapter because it's Tighten your belt. a little bit... Put on your seatbelt. It's not for the squeamish. After Vasudeva adjusted things as they had been before, he carried Krishna to Gokula, and all the doors and gates became similarly closed. The gatekeepers awoke and heard the newborn child crying. Kansa was waiting to hear the news of the child's birth, and the gatekeepers immediately approached him and informed him that the child was born. At that time, Kamsa got up from his bed very quickly and exclaimed, now the cruel death of my life is born. Kamsa became perplexed now that his death was approaching and his hair scattered. Immediately he proceeded toward the place where the child was born. Devaki, on seeing her brother approaching, prayed in a very meek attitude to Kamsa. My dear brother, please do not kill this female child. I promise that this child will be the wife of your son. Therefore, don't kill her. You are not to be killed by any female child. That was the prophecy. You are to be killed by a male child. So please don't kill her. My dear brother, you have killed so many of my children who were just born, shining like the sun. That is not your fault. You have been advised by demoniac friends to kill my children. But now I beg you to excuse this girl at least. Let her live as my daughter. Kamsa was so cruel that he did not listen to the pitiful prayers of his sister Devaki. He forcibly grabbed the newborn child to rebuke his sister and attempted to dash her on the stone mercilessly. This is a graphic example of a cruel demon who could sacrifice all relationships for the sake of personal gratification. But the child immediately slipped out of his hands, went up into the sky and appeared with eight arms as the younger sister of Vishnu. She was decorated with nice garments and flower garlands and ornaments in her eight hands she held a bow, lance, arrows, sword, conch shell, disc, club, and shield. Seeing the appearance of the child, who was actually the goddess Durga, all the demigods from different planets like Siddhaloka, Charnaloka, Kandharvaloka, Apsaraloka, Kinaraloka, and Uragaloka presented her with various articles and began to offer their respective prayers. From above, the goddess addressed Kangsa. You rascal, how can you kill me? The child who will kill you is already born. 
before me somewhere within this world. Don't be so cruel to your poor sister. After this appearance, the goddess Durga became known by various names in various parts of the world. After hearing these words, Kamsa became very much overwhelmed with fear. Out of pity, he immediately released Vasudeva and Devaki from the bondage of their shackles and very politely began to address them. He said, My dear sister and brother-in-law, I have acted just like a demon in killing my own nephews, your children, and thereby I have given up all consideration of our intimate relationship. I do not know what will be the result of these envious acts of mine. Probably I shall be sent to hell where killers of Brahmanas go. I am surprised, however, that the celestial prophecy has not come true. It is not only in human society that false propaganda is found. Now it appears that even the celestial denizens speak lies. Fake news. <laughs> because, because I believed in the words of the celestial denizens, I have committed so many sins by killing the children of my sister. My dear Vasudeva and Devaki, you are both very great souls. I have no instructions to give you, but still I request that you not be sorry for the death of your children. Every one of us is under the control of a superior power, and that superior power does not allow us to remain together. We are bound to be separated from our friends and relatives in due course of time, but we must know for certain that even the disappearance of the different material bodies, the soul, that even after the disappearance of the different material bodies, the soul remains intact eternally. For example, there are many pots made of earthly clay, and they are prepared and also broken. But in spite of this, the earth remains as it is perpetually. Similarly, the bodies of the soul under different conditions are made and destroyed, but the spirit soul remains eternally. So there is nothing to lament over. Everyone should understand that this material body is different from the spirit soul. And so long as one does not come to that understanding, he is sure to accept the processes of transmigration from one body to another. My dear sister Devaki, that the Vijatatma gave me his card in Vrindavan, it says, learn to meditate before you reincarnate. And it leads to his Facebook page where it tells you about reincarnation. My dear sister Devaki, you are so gentle and kind. Please excuse me. Don't be aggrieved by the death of your children, which I have caused. Actually, this was not done by me, because all these are predestined activities. One has to act according to the predestined plan, even unwillingly. People misunderstand that with the end of the body, the self dies, or they think that one can kill another living entity. All these misconceptions oblige one to accept the conditions of material existence. In other words, as long as one is not firmly convinced of the eternality of the soul, one is subjected to the tribulation of being killer and killed. My dear sister Devaki and brother-in-law Vasudev, kindly excuse the atrocities I have committed against you. I am very poor-hearted, and you are so great-hearted, so take compassion upon me and excuse me. <clears throat> While Kamsa was speaking to his brother-in-law and sister, tears flowed from his eyes, and he fell down at their feet. Believing the words of Durga Devi, whom he had tried to kill, Kamsa immediately released his brother-in-law and sister. 
he personally unlocked the iron shackles and very sympathetically showed his friendship for his family members. When Devaki saw her brother so repentant, she also became pacified and forgot all his atrocious activities against her children. Vasudev also, forgetting all past incidents, spoke smilingly with his brother-in-law. Vasudev told Kangsa, My dear fortunate brother-in-law, what you were saying about the material body and the soul is correct. Every living entity is born ignorant, misunderstanding this material body to be a self. This conception of life is due to ignorance, and on the basis of this ignorance, we create enmity or friendship. Lamentation, jubilation, fearfulness, envy, greed, illusion and madness are different features of our material concept of life. A person influenced like this engages in enmity only due to the material body. Being engaged in such activities, we forget our eternal relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Vasudev took the opportunity of Kangsa's benevolence and, in, and informed him that his atheistic activities were also due to this misconception of life, namely taking the material body to be the self. When Vasudev talked with Kangsa in such an illuminating way, Kangsa became very much pleased and his guilt for killing his nephews subsided. With the permission of his sister Devaki and brother-in-law Vasudev, he returned to his home with a relieved mind. But the next day, Kamsa called all his counselors together and narrated to them all the incidents that had happened the night before. So they became depressed upon hearing their master speak of the night's events. And although they were not very much experienced or learned, they began to give instructions to Kamsa as follows. Dear sir, let us now make arrangements to kill all children who were born within the last ten days in all towns, countries, villages, in all towns, counties, villages and pasturing grounds. Let us execute this plan indiscriminately. We think that the demigods cannot do anything against us if we perform these atrocities. They are always afraid of fighting with us and even if they wish to check our activities, they will not dare to do so. Because of your immeasurable strength, they fear your bow. Indeed, we have practical experience that, whatever you stood, that whenever you stood to fight with them and began to shower your arrows on them, they immediately fled in all directions, just to save their lives. Many of the demigods were unable to fight with you, and they immediately surrendered themselves unto you by loosening their turbans and tufts of hair on their heads. With folded hands they begged you to spare them and said, My Lord, we are all afraid of your strength. Please release us from this dangerous fight. We have also seen many times that you would never kill such surrendered fighters when they were all fearful, their bows and arrows, bows, arrows and chariots broken, forgetful 
of their military activities and unable to fight with you. So actually we have nothing to fear from these demigods. They are very proud of being great fighters in peacetime outside the war field, but actually they cannot show any talent or military power on the war field. Although Lord Vishnu, Lord Shiva and Lord Brahma are always welcome, ready to help, the demigods headed by Indra, we have no reason to be afraid of them. As far as Lord Vishnu is concerned, he has already hidden himself within the hearts of all living entities and he cannot come out. As far as Lord Shiva is concerned, he has renounced all activities. He has already entered into the forest. And Lord Brahma is always engaged in different types of austerities and meditation. And what to speak of Indra, he is, the, he is a straw in comparison to your strength. Therefore, we have nothing to fear from any of these demigods. But we must not neglect them, for the demigods are our determined enemies. We must be careful to protect ourselves, to root them out from the very to root them out from their very existence. We, we should just engage ourselves in your service and be always ready for your command. The demons continued to say, if there is some disease in the body which is neglected, it worsens and becomes incurable. Similarly, when one is not careful about restraining the senses and lets them loose, it is then very difficult to control them. Therefore, we must now be very careful of the demigods before they get too strong to be subdued. The foundation of the strength of the demigods is Lord Vishnu, because the ultimate goal of all religious principles is to satisfy Him. The Vedic injunctions, the brahmanas, the cows, austerities, sacrifices, performances of charity and distribution of wealth are all for the satisfaction of Lord Vishnu. So let us immediately begin by killing all the brahmanas who are in charge of the Vedic knowledge, along with the great sages who are in charge of sacrificial ritualistic performances. Let us kill all the cows which are the source of butter, which is so necessary for performing sacrifices. Please give us your permission to kill all these creatures. Actually, the limbs of the transcendental body of Lord Vishnu are the brahmanas, the cows, Vedic knowledge, austerity, truthfulness, sense and mind control, faithfulness, charity, tolerance, and performance of sacrifices. Lord Vishnu is situated in everyone's heart and is the leader of all, the dem all demigods, including Lord Shiva and Lord Brahma. Therefore, we think that to persecute the great sages and brahmanas is to kill Lord Vishnu. Thus being advised by his demoniac ministers, Kangsa, who was from the very beginning the greatest rascal, decided to persecute the brahmanas and Vaishnavas, being entrapped by the shackles of the all-devouring eternal time. He ordered the, he ordered the demons to harass all kinds of saintly persons. And then he entered his house. The adherents of Kansa 
were all influenced by the emotive passion as well as illusioned by the emotive ignorance and their only business was to create enmity with saintly persons. Such activities can only reduce one's duration of life. The demons accelerated the process and invited their deaths as soon as possible. The result of persecuting saintly persons is not only untimely death, the act is so offensive that the perpetrator also gradually loses his beauty, his fame, and his religious principles, and thus his promotion to higher planets is checked. Driven by various kinds of mental concoctions, the demons diminish all kinds of auspiciousness. An offense at the lotus feet of the devotees and brahmanas is a greater offense than that committed at the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. A civilization that commits such sinful activities generally loses all faith in the Supreme Lord. And such a godless civilization becomes the source of all calamities in human society. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purport of the fourth chapter of Krishna, Kangsa begins his persecutions. Chapter 5 The Meeting of Nanda and Vasudev. Although Krishna was the real son of Vasudev and Devaki, because of Kamsa's atrocious activities, Vasudev could not enjoy the birth ceremony of his son. But Nanda Maharaj, the foster father, celebrated the birth ceremony of Krishna very joyfully. The next day it was declared that a male child had been born to Yashoda. According to Vedic custom, Nanda Maharaj called for learned astrologers and brahmanas to perform the birth ceremony. After the birth of, of a child, the astrologers calculate the moment of the birth and make a horoscope of the child's future life. Another ceremony takes place after the birth of the child. The family members take baths, cleanse themselves, and decorate themselves with ornaments and nice garments. Then they come before the child and the astrologer to hear of the future life of the child. Nanda Maharaj and other members of the family dressed and sat down in front of the birthplace. All the brahmanas who were assembled there on this occasion chanted auspicious mantras according to the rituals while the astrologers performed the birth ceremony. All the demigods are also worshipped on this occasion as well as the forefathers of the family. Nanda Maharaj distributed to the brahmanas 200,000 cows which were well decorated with cloth and ornaments. He gave the brahmanas not only cows in charity but also hills of grain decorated with ornaments and golden bordered cloth. <clears throat> in the material world we possess riches and wealth in many ways but sometimes not in very honest and pious ways because that is the nature of accumulating wealth. According to Vedic conjunction, therefore, one should purify such wealth by giving cows and gold in charity to the brahmanas. A newborn child is also purified by gifts of grain in charity 
to the brahmanas. In this material world, it is to be understood that we are always living in a contaminated state. We therefore have to purify the duration of our lives, our possession of wealth, and our self. We can purify our duration of life by taking daily bath and cleansing the body inside and outside and accepting the ten kinds of purificatory processes. Though austerities, by worship of the Lord and by distribution of charity, we can purify the possession of wealth. We can purify ourselves by studying the Vedas in order to understand the absolute truth and achieve self-realization. It is therefore stated in the Vedic literature that by birth everyone is born a Shudra, that by accepting the purification, by, that by accepting the purificatory process, one becomes twice born, that by studying the Vedas one becomes a Vipra, which is the preliminary qualification for becoming a Brahmana, and that when one perfectly understands the absolute truth, he is called a Brahmana, and when, that, and when the Brahmana reaches further purification, he becomes a Vaishnav or a devotee. In Krishna's birth ceremony, all the assembled Brahmanas began to chant different kinds of Vedic mantras to invoke all good fortune for the child. There are different kinds of chanting known as Sutta, Magadha, Van, Vandija, and Virudavali. Along with this chanting of mantras and songs, bugles and kettle drums are sounded outside the house. On this occasion, the joyous vibrations could be hear, heard in all the pasturing grounds and all the houses. Within and outside of the houses, there were varieties of artistic paintings done with rice pulp, and scented water was sprinkled everywhere, even on the roads and streets. Ceilings and roofs were decorated with different kinds of flags, festoons, and green leaves. The gates were made of green leaves and flowers. All the cows, bulls, and calves were smeared with a mixture of oil and turmeric and painted with minerals like red oxide, yellow clay, and manganese. They wore garlands of peacock feathers and were covered with nice colored cloths and gold necklaces. When all the ecstatic cowherd men heard that Nanda Maharaj, the father of Krishna, was celebrating the birth ceremony of his son, they became spontaneously joyful. They dressed themselves with very costly garments and ornamented their bodies with different kinds of earrings and necklaces and wore great turbans on their heads. After dressing themselves in this gorgeous way, they took various kinds of presentations and thus approached the house of Nanda Maharaj. As soon as they heard that Mother Yashoda had given birth to a child, all the coward women became overwhelmed with joy. And they also dressed themselves with various kinds of costly garments and ornaments and smeared scented cosmetics on their bodies. As the dust on the lotus flower exhibits the exquisite beauty of the flower, all the gopis, coward women, applied the dust of kunkum on their lotus-like faces. These beautiful gopis took their different presentations and very soon reached the house of Maharajananda. Overburdened with their heavy hips and swollen breasts, the gopis could not proceed very quickly toward the house of Nanda Maharaj, but out of ecstatic love for Krishna, they proceeded as quickly as possible. Their ears were decorated with pearl rings, their necks with jeweled lockets, their lips with different kinds of lipstick, their eyes with various kinds of ointment, and their hands with nice golden bangles. As they were very hastily passing over the stone road, 
the flower garlands which were decorating their bodies fell to the ground, and it appeared that a shower of flowers was falling from the sky. From the movement of the different kinds of ornaments on their bodies, they were looking still more beautiful. In this way, they all reached the house of Nanda Yashoda and blessed the child. Dear child, you live long just to protect us. While they were blessing child Krishna in this way, they offered a mixture of turmeric powder, oil, yogurt, milk, and water. They sprinkled this mixture not only on the body of child Krishna, but on all other persons who were present there. Also on that auspicious occasion, there were different bands of expert musicians playing. When the cowherd men saw the past signs of the cowherd women, they became very joyful. And in response, they also began to throw yogurt, milk, clarified butter, and water upon the bodies of the gopis. Then both parties began to throw butter on each other's bodies. Nanda Maharaj was also very happy to see the pastimes of the cowherd men and women, and he became very liberal in giving charity to the different singers who were assembled there. Some singers were reciting great verses from the Upanishads and Puranas, some were glorifying the family ancestors, and some were singing very sweet songs. There were also many learned brahmanas present, and Nanda Maharaj, being very satisfied on this occasion, gave them different kinds of garments, ornaments, and cows in charity. It is very important <clears throat> to note in this connection how wealthy the inhabitants of Vrindavan were simply by raising cows. All the cowherd men belonged to the Vaishya community and their business was to protect the cows and cultivate crops. By their dress and ornaments, and by their behavior, it appears that although they were in a small village, they were still very rich in material possessions. They possessed such an abundance of various kinds of milk products that they were throwing butter lavishly on each other's bodies without restriction. <clears throat> their wealth was in milk, yogurt, clarified butter, and many other milk products. And by trading their agricultural products, they were rich in various kinds of jewelry, ornaments, and costly garments. Not only, not only did they possess all these things, but they could give them away in charity lavishly, as did Nanda Maharaj. Thus, Nanda Maharaj, the foster father of Lord Krishna, began to satisfy the desires of all the men assembled there. He, he respectfully received them and gave them in charity whatever they desired. The learned brahmanas who had no other source of income were completely dependent on the Vaishya community for their maintenance and they received gifts on such festive occasions as birthdays and marriages. While Nanda Maharaj was worshipping Lord Vishnu on this occasion and was trying to satisfy all the people there, his only desire was that the newborn child Krishna would be happy. Nanda Maharaj had no knowledge of the, that this child was the origin of Vishnu. He was praying to Lord Vishnu to protect him. <clears throat> Rohini Devi, the mother of Balarama, was the most fortunate wife of Vasudev. She was away from her husband, yet just to congratulate Maharaj Nanda on the occasion of the birth ceremony of his son, Krishna, 
She dressed herself very nicely, wearing a garland, a necklace, and other bodily ornaments. She appeared on the scene and moved hither and thither. According to the Vedic system, a woman whose husband is not at home does not dress herself very nicely. But although Rohini's husband was away, she still dressed herself very nicely on this occasion. From the opulence of the birth ceremony of Krishna, it is very clear that at that time Vrindavan was rich in every respect. Because Lord Krishna took birth in the house of King Nanda and Mother Yashoda, the goddess of fortune was obliged to manifest her opulences in Vrindavan. It appeared that Vrindavan had, be, had already become a site for the pastimes of the goddess of fortune. <clears throat> After the birth ceremony, Nanda Maharaj decided to go to Mathura to pay the annual tax to the government of Kamsa. Before leaving, he called for the able cowherd men of the village and asked them to take care of Vrindavan in his absence. When Nanda Maharaj arrived in Mathura, Vasudev got the news and was very eager to congratulate his friend. He immediately went to the place where Nanda Maharaj was staying. When Nanda saw Vasudev, he felt that he had regained his life. Nanda, overwhelmed with joy, immediately stood up and embraced Vasudev. Vasudev was received very warmly and offered a nice place to sit. Anxious about, anxious about his two sons, who had been put under the protection of Nanda, without Nanda's knowledge, Vasudev inquired about them with great anxiety. Both Balarama and Krishna were the sons of Vasudev. Balarama was transferred to the womb of Rohini, Vasudev's own wife, but Rohini was kept under the protection of Nanda Maharaj. Krishna was personally delivered to Yashoda and exchanged with her, with her daughter. Nanda Maharaj knew that Balarama was the son of Vasudev, but he did not know that Krishna was also Vasudev's son. Vasudev, of course, was aware of this fact and inquired very eagerly about both Krishna and Balarama. Vasudev then addressed Nanda, My dear brother, you were old and very anxious to beget a son, and yet you had none. Now by the grace of the Lord, you were so fortunate to have a very nice son. I think that this incident is very auspicious for you. Dear friend, I was imprisoned by Kansa, and now I am released. Therefore, this is another birth for me. I had no hope of seeing you again, but by God's grace, I can see you. In this way, Vasudev indirectly expressed his anxiety about Krishna. Krishna was sent incognito to the bed of Mother Yashoda. And after Nanda very pompously celebrated Krishna's birth ceremony, he went to Mathura. So Vasudev was very much pleased and said, this is a new birth for me. He never expected that Krishna would live because all his other sons had been killed by Kamsa. Vasudev continued, My dear friend, 
It, it is very difficult for us to live together. Although we have our family and relatives, sons and daughters, by nature's way, we are generally separated from one another. The reason for this is that in every living that every the reason for this is that every living entity appears on this earth under different pressures of fruitive activities. Although they assemble together, there is no certainty of them remaining together for a long time. According to one's fruitive activities, one has to act differently and thereby, and thereby be separated. For example, many plants and creepers are floating on the waves of the ocean. Sometimes they come together and sometimes they separate forever. One plant goes in one way and another plant goes another. Similarly, our family assembly may be very nice while we are, while we are living together. But after some time, in the course of the waves of time, we are separated. The, pur the purport of this expression by Basudev is this. Although he had eight sons born from the womb of Devaki, unfortunately, they were all gone. He could not even keep his one son, Krishna, with him. Vasudev was feeling his separation, but he could not express the real fact. Please tell me about the separation. But he could not, please tell me about the welfare of Vrindavan, he said. You have many animals. Are they happy? Are they getting sufficient grass and water? Please also let me know whether the place where you are now living is undisturbed and peaceful. This inquiry was made by Vasudev because he was very anxious about Krishna's safety. He knew that Kangsa and his followers were trying to kill Krishna by sending various kinds of demons. They had already resolved that all Krishna, all children born within ten days of the birthday of Krishna should be killed. Because Vasudev was so anxious about Krishna, he inquired about the safety of his residence. He also inquired about Balarama and his mother, Rohini, who were entrusted to the care of Nanda Maharaj. Vasudev also reminded Nanda Maharaj that Balarama did not know his real father. He knows you as his father. And now you have another child, Krishna. And I think you are taking very nice care of both of them. It is also significant that Vasudev inquired it is also it is also significant that Vasudev inquired about the welfare of Nanda Maharaja's animals. The animals and especially the cows were protected exactly in the manner of one's children. Vasudev was a Chatriya and Nanda Maharaj was a Vaishya. It is the duty of the Chatriyas to give protection to the citizens and it is the duty of the Vaishyas to give protection to the cows. The cows are as important as the citizens. Just as the human citizen should be given all kinds of protection, so the cows also should be given full protection. Vasudev continued to say that the maintenance of religious principles, economic development and satisfactory execu execution of meeting and demands of the senses. Meeting on co-op depend on cooperation among relatives, nations, and all humanity. 
Therefore, it is everyone's duty to see that his fellow citizens and the cows are not put into difficulty. One should see to the peace and comfort of his fellow man and the animals. The development of religious principles, economic development, and sense gratification can then be achieved without difficulty. Vasudeva expressed his sorrow due to not being able to give protection to his own sons, born of Devaki. He was thinking that religious principles, economic development, and the satisfaction of his senses were, there, were therefore all lost. Upon hearing this, Nanda Maharaj replied, My dear Vasudev, I know that you are very much aggrieved because of the cruel King Kangsa has killed all your sons born of Devaki. Although the last child was a daughter, Kangsa could not kill her and she has entered into the celest celestial planets. My dear friend, do not be aggrieved. We are all being controlled by our past unseen activities. Everyone is subjected to the past deeds to his past deeds, and one who is conversant with the philosophy of karma and its reactions is a man of knowledge. Such a person will not be aggrieved at any incident, happy or miserable. Vasudev then replied, Vasudev then replied, My dear Nanda, if you have already paid the government taxes, then return soon to your place, because I think that there may be some disturbances in Gokula. After the friendly conversation between Nanda Maharaj and Vasudev, Vasudev returned to his home. Nanda Maharaj and the other cowherd men who had come to Mathura to pay their taxes also returned home. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purport of the fifth chapter of Krishna, the meeting of Nanda and Vasudeva. I have a point, a follow-up point from yesterday. Someone, maybe two people, had mentioned some thought about a Vasudeva taking up a sword against Kamsa on the chariot. Do you remember that? Yes. So I checked in with our pundit in the UK, Karti Chandra Prabhu, and he said, uh, no Prabhuji, not in the commentaries. I had asked him, is there a description in the Srimad Bhagavatam commentary in, or in some other Shastra in which Vasudev takes up a sword against Kansa on the chariot during the wedding party? His answer, no, not in the commentaries and not heard of it in other uh, Shastras like even Brahma Vaivarta Purana or another Puranas, it could ever ever be a local version, like a local folklore. So it's, a, it's not a confirmed uh, idea, just so we close that loop. And that brings us to the end of this morning's hearing and chanting session. And it's time for the lunch break. We'll see everybody back here at 3.30 p.m. Govardhan Standard Time, GST. Has anyone GST. also noticed how fast this goes?
Kartik's almost over, right? Gaur Pramanande, Nitai Gora Hari Bo, Hari Bo, Hari Bo, Nitai Gora. Not to the arm, our man. 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 Not to the arm, our man.